Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. I want you to turn to two places. Genesis 40 and Matthew 23. And I want to start with Matthew 23. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses, and therefore all that they tell you do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. (laughs) You know what he's saying? These guys are good teachers. Perform the word that they they teach, but don't follow their example of how to live. How many know that's a problem? To teach stuff you won't live. To declare something that's true, but not live that truth. We don't need pastors like that, right? Right? Guess what? We don't need Christians like that. So we always jump to the pastor thing. Yeah, we need pastors. But how about you don't say you believe one thing and post something opposite to that on Facebook? I don't work here. I can just say whatever I want. (laughs) Pastor Brenda's injured. She can't rush the stage. She's got people, though, I'm sure, like, take him. I just, in my mind, I saw Jose flying across the stage and tackling me. He could do it, too. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I almost killed her three times at what, the, a couple days after her wreck. I kept, I was really funny that day. Don't do what they do. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them so much as a finger. Verse 5, But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries. This is a... This is like a little pouch that they put scriptures in. And then it's got a leather strap, black strap that goes around their arm. So they'd make it longer and wider and bigger. And look at all these scriptures I'm carrying. Status. And they'd lengthen the tassels on their prayer shawl. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats and the synagogues and Respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. But do not be called rabbi for one. Only one is your teacher. And you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth your father. For one is your father who is in heaven. And do not be called leaders. For one is your leader. That is Christ. 
But the greatest among you shall be your servant. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Skip on down into chapter. Verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. <laughs> this passage just picked you right up, didn't it? I don't know. What is it, babe? A couple of weeks I've been quoting this scripture and didn't know why. And I said, I've got to look into this. It's in two places. It's Matthew 23 and Luke 13. Now, Luke 13 is a totally different thing. This is... I mean, he's about to be crucified soon. Uh, he's already in Jerusalem here in Matthew 23. But in chapter 13 of Luke, it's a totally different setting. And he says almost the exact same thing. So it means that it's something that he has been thinking about and longing for. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. That, that kept going over and over in my heart I didn't know why and I was thinking about it and so then as I was asked to speak um, there was something that I I felt like God has been putting in me lately and everywhere I've been going if I have an opportunity I, I, I share it and about Joseph and we're going to talk about him in a minute but I didn't understand why he would let me get away from this as well. And, you know, it's because I believe there was another layer that I hadn't, I hadn't seen, uh, of course. And so Jesus is standing in Jerusalem and he's reflecting on how he, his father has sent one prophet after another, right? One voice after another that would come in and declare the things of the Lord. And he says, you kill the prophets and you stone the people that God sent you. And certainly we do that in the church. We do. We do. We, we'll look at pastors, we'll look at leaders and we don't agree with this, we don't like that or they're not perfect over here. They didn't say this or that or do it just right or the way you think. And then you're out. 
And then you're just not out. You're also going to, you know, say nasty things about them. And some people are going to post about them. And all of that is just like picking up stones and hurling it at them. Right? Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate you. Don't go far, though. But, I mean, find a chair with a back. You know what I mean? I want your spine to curve while we're... While you're... <laughs> you are... Uh, he's reflecting on how they have treated who God has sent to them, right? And how they have, how they have rejected them and to the point of not just reject them, but try to destroy them, right? And it comes on the heels of his observation of uh, we, we have people who are in leadership that they want to be called this and that and they want the clothes and the position and the title and the honor and you know they want to be applauded and sit at the head table and you know be on TV all this stuff right they they crave that and he is after something different entirely and and I never noticed this before but if you go back up to the top, and um, if you go back up to the top, and Amanda, if you'll throw, um, let me see which one it is, uh, verse 13. He says, because, he says, woe to you because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. You don't enter in yourselves, and you don't allow those who are entering in to go in. Well, that really is everything he's talking about. There is, a, there is a carnality in us that craves things that are anathema to the spirit. And it's easy to talk about scribes and Pharisees, right? And then that takes you out of the equation. But how about we just pretend maybe he's talking about us. You've never judged anybody unrighteously, right? You've never craved any credit, right? You've never wanted to be noticed. Is that who I'm talking to here? Y'all are all perfect in every way, right? It's only the people who are watching online that have the problems, right? It's not us. Well, I don't know about you, but I've wanted to be acknowledged, and I have craved the credit, right? And if you didn't give it to me, I, it's okay. I'll give it to my own self. <laughs> Let's just get a little honest, right? That, 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 there's a little bit of larceny in all of us. Okay, you can be quiet. I'll just stay and sit right here. And just, I mean, I started at 1039. I got all kinds of time. <laughs> the one who really wants you to move on, right? I'm here to tell you, I was looking at this, and too many times we'll read scripture, we'll hear preaching, we'll, we'll take notes on teaching, and while the truth 
even that which cuts to the bone is being shared, we try to think of all the other people it applies to. Oh boy, I hope those guys over there are really listening. I want to be more like Isaiah, woe is me. I'm undone. He says, you crave these things and it culminates in you not entering in. And then you not allowing those who are trying to enter in to enter in. What were they craving? What were they craving? Acknowledgement, position, power, authority, title, right? That's what they were craving. But Jesus says, how long I've wanted to what? What did he say at the end? I've wanted to what? Huh? Talk. Gather you under my wings like a what? Like a hen, right? Listen, have you ever had chickens? I'm in Tennessee, right? Anybody ever had chickens? Okay, I've had, I love chickens. I love to have chickens. And have you ever had a hen lay some eggs and they hatch? Have you tried to reach underneath that hen to get to those chicks? That hen don't play. And you're this big human being. It does not care. It, will, it is out to kill you. He says, I want to gather you under my wings like a hen does her chicks. But you wouldn't let me. That is one of the most intimate, paternal Loving, protective, close. See, they're talking about sitting at the head table. They're craving a robe and a crown. They're, they're craving accolades. But, and the reason why they've rejected who God has sent, because God keeps talking to them about relationships. Let's talk about Joseph. You know who Joseph is? He was an 11th born son of, you know, you got, you got Abraham, you got Isaac, you got Jacob, and then he's got his 12 kids. Well, at one point it was just 11 kids, right? Joseph was the baby born of a mother that, Rachel, that had been barren for a long time. And so... Her and her sister Leah, that's, a, that's, a, that's some crazy stuff right there, okay? These, these ladies, they, whoa, right? Now, he wanted to marry Rachel, right? She, he saw her, she was fine, right? Like when I saw Rhea, ooh, she's fine, right? I want to marry her. And, uh, and then he got a little switcheroo, and he got ugly Leah, Right? Not attractive. I mean, I'm just telling you. Uh, and woke up, 
There she was. Uh-oh. Got a problem now. Married the older sister here, right? And so then he made a deal. Okay, I'll work some more years and I'll be... And so these two sisters start warring with each other over who will be favored. Now, somebody say favored. So Leah is ugly, but she can have a bunch of children. Right? Rachel is fine, but she's barren. How many know that's a problem? <laughs> right? If she wasn't barren, it wouldn't have been no problem. He would have just picked and it had been over. And Leah would have, but see, God knew what he was doing. And he was determined that some things were going to play out. But how it played out was up to these two ladies. And they began to fight with one another. They even, there was sexual bartering. I mean, like, she paid her some, what was some mandrakes or something. I don't know what that is, but it was expensive. They didn't have it at the grocery store. And she said, I'll give you some mandrakes if you let it be my night to go into him. I mean, this is crazy stuff. They're naming their kids. Their, their kids' names mean like, I'm better than you. You stink. Look, I got one more than you. He's awesome. I mean, that's what his kids' names mean. One kid's name really means God has honored me because I paid you off and went in and had, a, and had a night with him. That's what the name means. God has rewarded me because of what I did. I mean, crazy. Finally, Rachel's womb opens. Now, this is after they get, these ladies don't stop there. They start getting concubines involved. They start having kids in their name. I mean, it's like, whoa. So now you got a slew of kids and everybody's at war. What if Rachel hadn't done that? What if she just said, you know what, I'm going to be the best aunt. That I can be. And I'm going to love these boys. Like they're mine. And when God opened her womb. Those boys would have celebrated it. See you may not have a choice about what's happening to you. But you have a choice of how you act while it's happening to you. The jealousy. The positioning, the jockeying for power started not with those boys, but with those mamas. Started not with the mamas, but with Jacob and Esau. Come on, don't get me started. They've been passing something down. Right? And it bursts open because Joseph has a dream. He interprets it and his family interprets it because Joseph shared it. Listen, sometimes you need to keep that dream to yourself. <laughs> I had a dream that all y'all going to be working for me for minimum wage. <laughs> Amen. Yay, I say. I'm going to be the boss with a golden parachute. <laughs> Right? I mean, 
mean, what? Don't share that. Shut up. <clears throat> so they share this. He shares it. Hey, I had a, a dream. And oh, listen, I had, a, I had a second one. They already hate his guts because he's Rachel's kid. And he's favored by his father. And so, you know, uh, he gives him a coat of many colors. A multicolored tunic is the way some versions. I don't like that. I like the coat of many colors. I think it's cooler. Coat of many colors. And so they hate his guts. Then he has another dream. Not only are y'all going to bow down, but mom and dad are going to bow down too. So they said, all right, we got to kill this guy. So now the comparison has left them devoid of compassion. And they're going to kill him. This stuff that we think is small, it gives birth to death. Sin kills everything it touches. Don't be fooled. Well, it's just a little bit, right? I like smoke it on the weekends. It's just light cancer. (laughs) I just got light cancer. (laughs) No, baby. There ain't no such thing as a, as a little bit of sin. Sin kills everything it touches. Hello? Say amen. I'll move on. Amen. Amen. Your neighbor needed to hear that, right? Look at this. He, they decide not to kill him. They're going to sell him into slavery. He gets sold into slavery. Goes and works at Potiphar's house as a slave. And it says God's favor was on him. Somebody say favor. Favor. He's favored. He's a slave. He's a favored slave. Y'all's mind don't work like mine. Favored slave? How about keep your favor? Get me out of here. Then he gets light on, right? She cried rape. He left his clothes in her room. That's another bad plan. Now they throw him in prison. He's falsely accused. Now he's unjustly imprisoned, right? And it says that he found favor. In the dungeon, dungeon favor. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, dungeon favor, <laughs> just for fun, because you wasn't going to expect to say that today. Dungeon favor. <laughs> I don't want no dungeon favor. I want the kind of favor that gets me out of the dungeon. Right? All right, the years are just peeling away, okay? Buddy's doing really well in jail. (laughs) Now listen, it's funny the way I'm telling it, but somebody was living this. Well, I wish I could pick that up. 
Pastor Brenda, don't die. Stop. Okay, I gotta be serious. Don't collect. That's mean. Sin kills everything it touches. Repent. Y'all ain't right. No wonder Pastor Tom needed surgery. Okay, let's keep going so they'll have me back one day. Finally, two cats show up in the prison. I want you to read this with me. Look at chapter 40 of Genesis. The cupbearer and the baker, the king of Egypt, offended their Lord. This is verse 1, the king of Egypt. Verse 2, Pharaoh was furious with these two officials. Right? Verse 3, so he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail. The same place where Joseph was in prison. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them because he's got favor. And he took care of them and they were in confinement for some time. Then the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in jail both had a dream the same night. Each man with his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. And he asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? And they said to him, we have had a dream and there's no one to interpret it. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? I will never forget when that line jumped off the page at me. I'm writing a book about this. I'm trying. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, when I read that, I kept reading it over and over. Don't interpretations belong to the Lord? Do not interpretations belong to God? And so, you know, when I study, I'll I'll stop and I'll ask, what does this mean? You know, I'll be thinking about it. I just won't, I don't want to just rush past it. And assume I know what it means. What does it mean? Why is it in there? Why did God inspire somebody to write it down and then protect it for thousands of years to get this line to me? Don't interpretations belong to God. What does that mean? Well, it at least means they don't belong to you. They don't belong to me. Here's the problem with me and you. When I say favor, when I say the Lord's favor, what do you think of? What? Tell me. Be on, Come on. Be honest for a second. Don't give me them spiritual answers, them super spiritual answers. We want to choke you. I want to hear the honest people. When you think, before we started talking today, and somebody said to you the God's favor, what would come to your mind? Blessing, what'd you say? Not prison. Not prison. <laughs> Not prison. Increase money. money. <laughs> My man took his Bible, said, 
Don't do that. <coughs> it's awesome. What else? Shiny things, man. What else? Special. No pain. Another way to say that is comfort, ease, success. Right? You go to buy something. They give it to you for free. And your buddy goes, oh, look at you. That's a favor. You got the favor of the Lord. Because you got something for free. Right? Why is it that this joker, every time the Lord said he was favored, he was being betrayed, sold, accused, imprisoned, and forgotten? Favor. (laughs) You and I got a wrong definition. Because we think that comfort... And ease is synonymous with God's favor. We've forgotten that you can be favored by God and go through hell on earth. Oh, baby, baby. Okay, let me talk to you. Let's get real. Ready? I got to sit down for this one. I was preaching here about 14 months ago. And uh, somebody I love uh, said they thought I was angry. I said, Doree, that sound angry? No, you didn't sound angry. I was like, that's right. (laughs) I kept thinking about it. I said, Pastor, listen to the message and you tell me if you think I was angry. He said, oh, I'm I'm going to listen to it. So I asked him, was I angry? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, oh, crap. So I was just walking around. Several days go by. Rhea goes, what's going on? I said, I'm angry. (laughs) I didn't know I was angry. (laughs) But I was. And the more I kept praying, I couldn't, I didn't know why. But I kept telling Rhea, I said, I'm just starting to understand that my anger runs deep. Coming to the end of a, I didn't know it was the end. (laughs) If I'd have known it was the end, I wouldn't have been so angry. (laughs) But I was coming to the end of a really tough season. I mean, 13 years of hard labor. And something the Lord had wanted us to do. And certainly wasn't all bad. I mean, there was some great things and wonderful people that we love dearly. That God brought into our lives and are special to us to this moment. And, uh, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't difficult, right? And, uh, and then towards the end, it was real difficult. And, uh, you know, 
and I came here and I preached. And, and what I preached was right and true, I believe, from the Lord. But uh, there was this underlying current, and I didn't even understand it was there. And then I began to pray, and I began to ask the Lord, what's wrong with me? And he said, because I was writing this book, don't all interpretations belong to me? Okay, see, we get a dream. We get a call. God asks you to do something. And your expectation, my expectation tended to be that if I did everything he asked, and if I obeyed every word he said to the best of my ability, that his favor would be upon it, and it would be, Clyde, a success. Clyde's the one who said success a while ago. It would be a success. And in my mind, success means <laughs> at least it means I'm not going to be broke. It at least means I'm not going to be broke. It at least means that we'll be happy and content. His favor. And when the realization came that my interpretation was wrong because the interpretation belongs to the Lord, I wasn't happy about it. And it began to eat on me in my core. I didn't even know it was doing it. And so I apologize to you for that. But I'll say this, baby. I'm not the only one. Joseph made a mistake early on. And so did his family. They assumed that they were qualified to interpret the dream. And they weren't. Because all of them were wrong. <laughs> Jesus, help us. What if the call of God, what if the favor of God looks like difficulty? What if God has favored you so much that you've been counted worthy to suffer? For him. Well, I just don't think that's very biblical. Right. Exactly. Because you ain't read the Bible. Who is the favored one? What was his life like? He was perfect and they killed him. He had to leave town before they stoned him. Right? See, we think, man, ooh, we're going to pray. And his favor is upon us to a thousand generations. 
and your family and your children and your children's children and your kinfolk and your in-laws and your outlaw. Everybody. And God's like, yes, it's going to be trials, tribulations. There's going to be problems, controversies. They're going to talk about you and reject you, spit on you, post about you. Favor. Facebook favor. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want any more favor. Can't handle any more favor. He tells these cats, the interpretation belongs to the Lord. Tell me the dream. They tell him the dream. He says, okay, buddy Roe, cupbearer, three days, you're going to be back in your position, favor with Pharaoh. Everything's good. Now do me a favor. Don't forget me. It's the first time Joseph has asked for anything. 13 years. He hadn't asked for anything. <laughs> right there. He's better than me and you. <laughs> Baby, I wasn't going to be quiet for no 13 years. Let me just tell you. <laughs> I was 13 years in it. And the whole time, I was like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Right? You go through stuff. He finally said, please, don't forget me. And then the other guy goes, hey, that's good. Hey, my, I had a dream. He goes, yeah, you're going to die. <laughs> you dead. I don't need no favors from you. <laughs> okay? And so then it all happened. Look at the end of the chapter. Look at the end of the chapter. Oh, I'm going to put my eyes on. I was like, I can't read it. Verse 20, thus it came about on the third day, which is Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. He lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants and restored the chief cupbearer to his office and he put the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. Next verse. Chapter 41 Verse 1, read this aloud with me. Now it happened. Come on, everybody with me. Let's start over. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. Stop right there. Let me take some water for this next round. We're almost done. Hold on, somebody's texting me. Make sure it's not Pastor Tom. Move along. Okay. That's a joke. He didn't text me. Friends from college. We're going to play spades later. Okay. 
told you I'll lower your expectations. <laughs> now it happened at the end of two full years. There are no words on accident in the Bible. It does not say, now it happened much later. It doesn't say, now it happened two years later. It says, now it happened at the end of two full years. Ugh. And it was so eventful. That Genesis, who in the previous chapter, did you notice when we were reading, it said he was betrayed and sold into bondage, and Joseph, who was betrayed and sold into bondage, was talking to this guy, and he was betrayed and sold into bondage, and he kept saying it over and over, right? This is the writer of the first five books of the Bible. I mean, Leviticus is one of those books, right, where they tell you everything that happens, Right, And you take the measure of the flour and the wheat and the oil and the bird and you pour it on the altar. And God saw the measure of the oil and the wheat and the bar and, the bread, and it was good. And when the sweet smelling savor of the barley and the oil and the bread, and you just go. We get it. I don't need every detail. This two years was so eventful. It doesn't make the list in Genesis. It told us nothing. Nothing about it. How boring was it? Two full years of one dungeon day after another. He has been he has been a victim of comparison. Deceit, betrayal, bondage, slander, imprisoned and forgotten two years. After all of that, he gets to go one day, one dungeon day, one dungeon week, one dungeon month after another. Let me read you what somebody wrote, can I? About this very thing. Let me make it big enough where I can read it. Up to this point in Joseph's life, his entire family had seen excuse me, had seen the favor of his father and Egyptians had seen the favor of his God. But what kind of favor? Potiphar recognized that God was with Joseph while knowing that he'd been sold as a slave. The head jailer saw that God was with Joseph while knowing that he'd been thrown into prison. They couldn't have seen an unknown God in the circumstances in which they first encountered Joseph. So they must have seen it in his more enduring characteristics. And even in the eyes of ancient Egyptians, it was obvious that divine favor and easy circumstances were not by any means synonymous. That's true for us as well. We're divinely favored in Christ, blessed 
with the unimaginable glory of knowing him and sharing his inheritance, yet life is sometimes mercilessly difficult. That wasn't a contradiction in Joseph's life. It was, it's not a contradiction in yours. If our difficulties were eternal and our blessings temporary, we wouldn't consider ourselves the subjects of God's favor. But for us, the situation is reversed. The trials are temporary. The blessings are eternal. We've got to get something in our mind. Baby, this ain't all there is. I'm going to preach. You ready? God hasn't promised you who's going to be in the White House. Oh, yeah, baby. I'll be gone this afternoon. (laughs) Write them letters. Pastor Tom online. We've forgotten something that the old timers knew. This world is not my home. I'm only passing through. If heaven were not my home, oh Lord, what would I do? Listen, all this stuff, the politics of the moment, the situation of the country, your financial status, what's going on with your job, how you feel right now, what happened to you, what they said, what they did, what you lost, all of that is temporary. It's temporary. You get to know him. You get to know him. Don't you understand? You get to know him. Something hit me. I've read that line over and over and over and over. Two full, at the end of two full years. It's like, my God, this man has been forgotten. He has been forgotten in in one terrible dungeon day after another. But then it hit me as I was reading Matthew 23. Those days were not uneventful for Joseph because he got to know him more. See, you and I, we think that knowing him gets us stuff. We think that if we know him real good and if we do real good and we act real good, then everything's going to be easy and good and comfortable and come out in in our favor. But the favor of God is that regardless of your circumstances, no matter what you're facing, you get to know him. You get to crawl under his wings and snuggle right up to him and smell his his sweet-smelling savor and feel the warmth of his power and know the protection that no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you'll condemn. Don't turn me down. Turn me back up. Let their ears bleed. It'll be okay. Turn me back up. Please. I want you to hear me. Baby. He got to be left alone for a couple of years. The favor was upon him to a thousand generations and his children 
and his and their children and their children have reaped the benefit of a man who was hungry for more of just him. He no longer needed the title. He no longer craved the position. He no longer interpreted the dream to mean that he would rule them. When they finally stood before him, he said, don't be afraid and don't blame yourself. You sent me here to die, but God has sent me to go before you to, to be a preserver of life. He finally got his own interpretation from the Lord. He wasn't there to rule. He was there to serve. What the Pharisees were after was to rule. Jesus said, if you'll be a servant, then you'll be great. Joseph was great not because he was gifted or had everything going his way. If you, if you went up to the day before the two full years were complete the day before and did a little estimation of his life. None of us would say that he was the favorite of the Lord. So why are you judging your life so harshly? Just because you're in a long, yet temporary circumstance. God's favor is upon you. And if you'll want to know him, if you'll crave him, if he is enough, not his stuff, not his things that he can provide, not his provisions, not his money, not his ability to get you out of whatever it is, but if he, is enough then perhaps you and I will have that next day Joseph woke up like any other dungeon day come on back Jamie like any other dungeon day it felt the same it looked the same he was in the same rags in the same cell, in the same prison, with the same conviction, the same sentence upon his head. And he had no idea that everything had already changed because the night before, suddenly, Pharaoh had had a dream. I'm increasingly convinced that our suddenlies happen many times at the end of great, great suffering. Oh, to know him in the power of his resurrection. How, Paul? Through the fellowship of his sufferings, the word says. You see, you're going through stuff, I know. We all are. 
to varying degrees and varying lengths. And, but I came by to remind you that regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your difficulties, regardless of what you've lost or what the locusts have eaten, you are in fact the favored of God. And His blessings are not temporary measures. They're not halfway done, band-aid-like stuff that makes you feel good. It's not a shot of morphine in a terrible, painful world. His blessings are eternal. That no disease can kill you. That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That no matter what happens, no matter what you lose, no matter what you go through, at the end of the day, you get to be with Him. And all this becomes but a flicker in your eternal love story with Jesus. And isn't that enough? One of my favorite singers died, Carmen. If you never listen to his music, you're missing out. It's the truth. What I liked about him was that it was full of the word. His songs are full of the word. And he wrote more stuff than you realize. There's a lot of church courses we have sung through the years that he actually wrote. One of the most famous was I Feel Jesus. You know, I feel Jesus. That was Carmen. He wrote that. But as I was reflecting on a life well lived, this song kept coming back to my mind. And not so much the words, but the way in which he sang it, it always sounded like a cry, like a prayerful cry for more of God. And I remember single and evangelizing and alone and depressed <laughs> and, and struggling and grappling with things. I would sing this song in my prayer time and I'd sing, Lord, I hunger for And I thirst for the righteousness that's yours, that my mind would be cleansed and my spirit renewed. And this temple that you dwell in would be pure. Will you stand on your feet? I know this is a little bit different. I hope it's okay. I prayed really earnestly about today. Here's what I sense. I've been sitting over here. Sunday after Sunday since September. Sometimes I'll get up 
and I'll walk around and I'll, I'll pray. She and I were driving and talking. Just like Pastor Matt was talking about, can't you sense the shift? Can you sense the shift? Some of you have been here a while. My sense, my sense, and the reason for this message today is that I believe that you have been through something, an extended period. And it seemed like, God, where are you? But his favor is still on you. But something has changed. We woke up like it was just any other day. But God would put into motion stuff that was going to shift everything in a moment. And I'm telling you, you're in that moment right now. Where things are changing. Things are shifting for this body. And we're not talking about an organization. We're talking about you and me. Together. We weren't even planning on coming here. We came and we never quit. We were just going to come visit y'all and high five and say hello once a month. But something has changed. We're drawn to this moment. Because God... Where you have been faithful through one day after another, God says, Now I'm going to release in a moment, in a moment, in a suddenly moment. How many is ready for that? Can you lift your hands? God, we are people who are hungry for you and only you. God, perhaps what I went through, perhaps what they've gone through is so that you will crush out of us that craving for the temporal, for the stuff that doesn't last and the things that don't matter to get us to that place, God, where we hunger for only you, God. We thirst for you. We crave you. Our appetite is changed, God. It's no longer about us being comfortable. It's about us being under your wings. Help us not reject who you've sent. This Jerusalem would do, but God, let us allow you to gather us under your wings and do according to what you want to do in our lives it's no longer our plan we lay down our interpretation of what it needed to look like let it go son it's not going to look like what you thought you hear me I'm talking to you it ain't going to look like what you thought brother it's not going to feel like it. It's not. Forget all that. That's wrong. God's got something for you far deeper and more abiding. I want to be like Mary. Be it unto me according to your word. 
Father, I pray over your people. This group of people we call a church. Lord, I pray over them. Every man, every woman. Every son, every daughter, every marriage, every family. Lord, I pray over every single one of them. The ones that are in this room, the ones that are watching online, the ones that are not watching and not in the room that are still part of this body. I pray, Father God, Lord, for them right now that whatever they've been through, whatever trial they've been facing, whatever dark dungeon day they have put one foot after another in front of them, I pray, God, right now that you would break forth in a suddenly moment and you would release the promise of the Father. Turn me back up. I'm stripping a gear. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for your people. That, Father God, that they would come to crave and long for you like never before. That they would know that you are enough. That your presence is enough. That, Father God, that what your even what Pastor Tom said last week, that he's made for encounter. We are made for encounter, God. So send the fire of revival. Let it burn in us, oh God. And I pray, God, that we would receive your interpretation. And let this suddenly come in a way that we never imagined. So be it. If you agree with that right now, say amen. Say amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.